When we hold on to grievance and pain from the past, we keep ourselves from being able to really move into our fullest expression of self. We need to practice forgiveness from the soul recovery perspective, dissipating the energy and releasing the past for good. If you're interested in this profound transformation, I invite you to join me in Colorado the weekend of June 8th and 9th to have an incredible experience with others on this same soul recovery journey. Two full days of immersion in the soul recovery process where you will indeed leave transformed. You will be able to truly let go of these old pains and step into a new way of being. Check out the show notes for a coupon code and how to register. Hello and welcome to the podcast Recover Your Soul. My name is Rachel Harrison. This is a podcast about recovery, spirituality, positive psychology, and I offer coaching. Recover Your Soul is brought to you by recoveryoursoul.net and we hope that you'll go there and subscribe so that you can get information about upcoming content and maybe even follow us on Instagram and Facebook. So I wanted to talk about the inner judge, this voice inside your head, the judge. And I know for a long time that I didn't know that this was a separate voice. I thought this was me. I thought this was my mind. This is that it was real, that these thoughts, these judgments, these criticism, these harsh words that came to me were some aspect of me and were real. All of us come from some level of childhood where without, often without our parents actually knowing or intentionally trying to harm us, through their good intentions, we come with a place where we feel that we're not good enough. Everybody has some message that is the underlying current that for the rest of our lives, we're working on trying to heal. For so many people, that message is that we're not worthy, that we're unlovable that we're not enough. And I know that when I heard that voice in my head and the pain that would come from that, I made a lot of decisions that tried to quiet those feelings. I made a lot of decisions that tried to jump ahead and fix whatever that hurt was and either cover it up or overcompensate for it. And that was part of addiction. Part of addiction was trying to do whatever it took to not feel whatever that feeling was. And through the years, through age and recovery and new thought spirituality, I've learned that that voice, that harsh voice that comes to us has a term, the judge. And when I could finally look at it and see it from a different perspective, as many spiritual teachings talk about the observer, that we have this brain that is constantly active. The Buddhists always refer to it as the monkey mind. 
this brain that is constantly talking, talking, talking. And this voice that is coming and criticizing and, and trying to tell you what to do. And then you kind of step back and notice what you're noticing. As if you're an observer and you're stepping back and you have that space to listen to it, not as you or as absolute truth, but with curiosity of what it's saying. To be able to take a moment to just observe it and listen to it and watch it. I attend a spiritual community that talks about the judge and the ego a lot. And I've so appreciated everything that I've learned from that. And yet, that judge is part of my daily life. It's part of my daily mind. And I wanted to talk about the judge today because it comes and tries to keep me small. My life right now is more profound, more peaceful, more fulfilling, more loving than it's been in such a long time. I feel better about myself in so many ways, and yet this voice comes and starts to nag at me. It nags at me about this Recover Your Soul project. Who do you think you are? What do you think you have to say? Who's going to listen? Who cares? You're not smart enough to do this. Who do you think you are? What do you have to offer? Stay quiet. Stay small. Stay quiet. Don't talk. I remember being in a small group in my spiritual community and how when we all came back from having these Um, small group breakouts, that this underlying voice that is telling all of us to stay small, who do you think you are? That's not spiritual growth. That's not expansion. That's not the voice of change. That's not the voice of development. That's not the voice of love. That is the voice of fear. That is the ego voice trying to keep you safe and quiet and small. It comes from the back of your brain, the reptilian brain. And there's a reason for this judge, for this ego space. It's meant to keep you safe. There were times when if you stepped out too big, that you would be in physical danger. That unfortunately is still the case in some parts of the world, for some people. And so it kind of catches you in a place where you say, oh, I'm going to observe this feeling. I'm going to observe this observation. Is this really a true statement that is going to help me be safe? Is this really a true statement that about looking at the situation and maybe making a decision that will be better made in a different way? You don't want to just be so flamboyant and so out there that you could be in danger. You want to be whole. 
But that voice is also often the voice of our parents who, through their greatest intention, some of our parents, some parents didn't do so great. Some people were cruel. Some parents really knocked their children down, and we don't know why. Their upbringing had so much pain and suffering in it themselves, it was the best they could do. And there's real trauma in that to be worked on. That's It's amazing and wonderful that there's great trauma counselors now that can really help people work through some of that real suffering. But our parents, being a parent as well, and having done some of the same things to my own children without realization that that's what was really happening, we're just trying to teach the rules. And our parents were trying to teach us the rules. And sometimes they were exasperated by us or frustrated. Sometimes they didn't know what to do. And so they say things to keep us safe, to keep us learning the rules, to keep us in society, to be good, to be quiet. And then those voices stay and grow. And they become this voice that tells us that we're not enough. I wish that I had a magic wand sometimes. I listen to people that I love and care about. And you can hear that childhood hurt part that feels unlovable, that feels not good enough, that doesn't think they're worthy. And you see them when you look in their eyes, you see the glory and the beauty and the wholeness of who they are. And you wish that you could just give that to them, that they could see that too. But that's not how it works. We can mirror that for people. We can hold space for them. And we hope that they can hold space for us so we can see that in ourselves so that we can all do this work which allows us to see and grow and feel the beauty of who we are and see that judge as a voice that's outside of ourselves. The judge for me has gotten quieter, but it catches me off guard. I'm a kind of person that doesn't want to make waves. I I'm pride myself on being fairly low maintenance. But sometimes being fairly low maintenance means that you're not actually asking for what you need and want. Because I'm also a peacemaker and I want everybody to be happy. So my judge is telling me to be quiet, to not ask for anything too grandiose. But I'm learning that it's okay to go and push past that and to actually look at things that I need, that I want and look at the value of myself and say, I can ask for this. I have a current situation where I've been driving a very used car for, oh gosh, it's probably four years now. And this car has gotten to the place where it really shouldn't be driven more than 
you know, my town and the towns close by so that if it has to be towed, it wouldn't go that far. And some part of me thinks that I don't want to have to need anything more. Another part of me recognizes that I'm not safe. Another part of me recognizes that what if I would like to go further? What if I'd like to drive to New Mexico and go see my father? And we made an arrangement that with the rule that we laid down at Christmas, which I think I've talked about in another podcast to my young adult sons, that they had to start paying their own bills. We had been paying car insurance and cell phone bills for them. And once that they started paying those bills, that would open up in our budget for me to get a car and be able to have a car payment. And I'm fascinated by this process because I've gone and started to look at cars and test drive cars and find vehicles that are lovely and nice that are within this budget that I have. And some part of me is telling me that I shouldn't ask for this, that I should just stay small, that I should just stay quiet, that I don't deserve it. And that's taking me by surprise because no one else is telling me this. My spouse is 100% on board for putting me in a safe um, new used vehicle. He's excited for me. My kids are excited for me. But something in that voice, in the voice of the judge, is trying to tell me that I don't think I'm worthy. And I find that fascinating. What is the voice that comes to you and what does it say? That if I was smarter, that if I was thinner, that if I was younger, then I'd be happier, I'd be more lovable. Do you have a voice that says, who do you think you are? And do you believe the voice? I've done enough work to hear this voice and, and, and be perplexed as to why it continues to speak so loudly at times. And that I can stand up to it. Unlike the wounded, hurt child that's afraid to stand up and speak for itself, there is an aspect of me that looks right in the eyes of this criticism and questions why it's talking to me like this. Yes, being able to buy a new used car is a really big deal. I feel incredibly fortunate. We've worked really hard in our lives to be able to get to a place where this is an option. And I have immense gratitude 
for the fact that it's an option at all. And yet, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to seem pretentious. I don't want to ask for too much. I want to be good. I'm lucky to have been raised in a family that had lots and lots of love. And I grew up in a home that didn't have active addictions such as alcoholism. Um, Although I'm still questioning some of the behaviors that happened in my upbringing and how they relate to some of my adult issues. We're always peeling back the onion, always looking deeper. But my parents loved me, and yet there was an absolute need to be a good, quiet, good girl. So much praise for being well-behaved. And I didn't act out. My parents divorced when I was eight, and I lived with my mother who um, went to graduate school um, when I was young so that we could have a better life and made a, from a hippie, sort of very poor life, brought us into a middle-class life. But I, I was recognized for being good. And I didn't act out, and I didn't sneak out, and I didn't talk back, and I I didn't do anything that was rebellious. And that is interesting because there was also no conflict when I was growing up, which some people say, oh, that must have been amazing to grow up in in a family where there was no yelling or conflict or arguing. And that's partially true. And I'm incredibly lucky for that. But the other part was I never learned how to argue. I never learned how to stand up for something that was different. To just be mad. That it was okay to be mad. The conflict didn't mean that everything was going to fall apart. It meant that there was something to work through. And it's been in my adult life and in my marriage and with my kids that I've learned that skill set. And that I've learned that you don't have to be the perfect good little girl to be loved. My mother never told me that if I wasn't good that she wouldn't love me. But that's how we feel when we're young. So much of what happens to us is this unspoken structure of belief that we instill upon ourselves to survive. And we don't know it. It's our subconscious. And then we live from that young self. And we don't know it. It's our subconscious. We had a therapist come to our house once. And um, he did a type of therapy, which I'm not going to remember who was the main uh, psychiatrist that came up with it. But... 
he came twice, and each time my husband and I uh, were the main focus of the therapy. And we would start to talk, and he would stop us and ask questions and figure out which aspect of ourselves that was talking. And each different aspect of ourselves, we would move to a different chair in the room. And, and he would invite us to feel in our body where that felt. And what is the voice? And the voices would change. And there was distinct different aspects. There was this small, hurt little girl. And there was this strong, powerful adult woman. And there was a judge that was cutting And many other aspects, but those were my three main aspects. And to witness them and look at them and to see them from an observer point of view helped me to be able to recognize that when I was in a situation where I was hurting and I was feeling these feelings of fear or doubt, that it was often that wounded, hurt little girl or scared little girl that was afraid. And that's where I was coming from. I wasn't coming from my strong woman. And then the judge is trying to keep me safe and quiet. And then when I look at it, it's almost like I'm looking at a, at a play. And I'm the observer standing back. Oh, that's what's happening. Who needs to show up right now? What, what aspect of myself needs to show up right now in its strength or in its vulnerability or in its, in its sadness to best help me in this situation, to best grow? So that aspect of myself that's afraid to ask for anything. As I sit here right now, I, I have a memory of of us not having a lot of money when I was growing up. And getting stuff was a really big deal. You got new clothes at the beginning of the year. Everything was really monitored. And we always had everything that we needed. But there wasn't space for wanting. And I started working at a very young age... 13, if I remember correctly, so that I could have spending money so I could get stuff that I wanted. So as I sit with those feelings, that's the piece of me that's afraid to ask for and be willing to receive a vehicle that I need. That if I'm my strong self, I deserve. I'm a 50-year-old woman who works hard, participates in the finances of the household, self-supporting through our own contributions. And that piece of me is, is a young piece of me. And it's the judge that's just trying to keep me safe. And I can stand up and say, thank you. Thank you for, for being concerned about me, but I'm fine. I've got this. Sometimes you really got to tell your judge to back off. 
When it's telling you, who do you think you are? You can look right at your judge and say, I know exactly who I am. I know exactly who I am and you can stand back. And when you start to recognize those voices as aspects of yourself from an observing point of view, you have more ability to calm them, to differentiate between what is coming from a primal, fearful place and what is coming from a whole, expansive, spiritual place. So listen. Listen to that voice of the judge. Be curious to what it's telling you. Observe what it's saying. Think about where the depth of its voice is coming from. When did you feel that when you were young? Who is the strong, adult, full-hearted person who lives in you now that can stand up to that voice? And what are the beautiful things that it's saying to you? If I had a magic wand and I looked you in the eyes and I could say, what a gorgeous, fantastic, whole, embodied human being you are, what is it telling you? Thank you for listening. Listen to that judge, but don't listen too hard. And I look forward to next time. Namaste. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.